If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and uh, Michael and Blake and all the others that participated in, in the, uh, the worship service, uh, the song service, great job. The Lord has been glorified this morning. So we're going to be in, uh, in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. And so if you've found Luke 1, let's all stand as we read God's great truth. Luke is uh, an interesting guy, Uh, perhaps not even a Jew. Uh, That is a heavy possibility. We see that in Colossians, that he is perhaps not a Jew. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I'm not sure, But, uh, but he is very detailed. He's a doctor. And uh, I'm going to give us some insight this morning. Look at verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. Verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, and then verse 9 tells us that according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. Now, that was a very, very important uh, part of being a priest, burning incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without or outside at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, He was troubled, and fear fell upon him, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Let's pray. Our most gracious and holy Heavenly Father, thank you for these words, these inspired words that Help give us a a better understanding, a better glimpse into not just the birth of of John, but also a a deep glimpse glimpse into the birth of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us to be obedient, even as I read those words a moment ago about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Oh, Lord, help us, each one of us in here this morning, to uh, look to you, to follow you, to be obedient to you. Lord, help us. Help us as we, as we listen this morning, as we, uh, as we hear your, your great truth. God, would you help us to be more of the people that you've called us to be? We pray that this morning that you would be glorified through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I have preached a similar message like this, and I looked in my notes. I keep all my sermons, 
And I preached a similar uh, message of this about four years ago. You guys had me over, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, it was in September. I, I've got the date back at my office, but uh, it was in September of, of uh, 2015. And so I thought that was interesting, but God has laid this message on my heart. As I went through, I thought, now, wait a minute, I think I've, I've preached that before. And uh, sure enough, there's a similar message like this. I've entitled it, First the Lord, First, comma, the Lord. And uh, we're going to look at keeping Jesus first, keeping the Lord first in our lives. And... Uh, God is, is all-knowing, and not one thing catches him by surprise. Could you say amen to that? There's not one thing catches him by, by surprise. We can always trust in him. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God. And so these very words that we've read, we've read this morning about Zacharias and Elizabeth being barren, and they're, they're, uh, they're older, and they're past the childbearing years, and she, she's past, past the childbearing years, and, uh, but that didn't catch God by surprise, and so as I was studying for this, I was thinking about how uh, some of the things we've gone through, some of the, the passages of Scripture we've gone through, and as we look back over James, we've come through the book of James, we've come through the book of Jude, and you know, God has God wants us. So you think about those some of those passages we've we've uh, looked at. God wants us to desire His will strongly in our lives and and uh, and for our church. And so we're going to talk about three things this uh, this morning. How we can keep God first, desiring His will, how we can keep Him first, and how we can be well-pleasing to Him. Now listen, uh, I had a couple of people ask me for, you remember I put the, this thing on the, the uh, overhead, not the overhead, the screen, I guess that would be the overhead, uh, going from the, the lineage from Adam to Noah, and I have some of those right down here. But the reason I want to uh, call that to your attention is you remember Jude talked about one of those men by the name of Enoch. And I think it's in Jude uh, verse 13, verses 13 and 14, somewhere in that neighborhood. And Enoch, we know from Hebrews that he was well-pleasing to God. Well, let me tell you that we are all out of Noah. Did you know that? We're all uh, descendants of Noah. As a matter of fact, Enoch, you remember this? We looked at it here uh, last week. Enoch would have been Noah's great-grandfather. So we're all out of Enoch. Now, we all have the capability to be well-pleasing to God, not because we're out of those men, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God, then through the power of the Holy Spirit, you, uh, you are able to please God. Hebrews says this, that without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. And it's in that same section it talks about Enoch that he was well-pleasing to God. Well, I want to tell you, God wants us to be well-pleasing to him. And we're going to talk about three ways that we can do that. Number one, by being obedient to his word. By living obediently to his word. That's the first one. Second, by trusting him no matter what. Oh, we're going to see some things this morning as we look at this passage. So by, being, by living obediently to his word and then by trusting him, by trusting what he says no matter what. And then uh, the last one is that we're, we'll be more apt to uh, be well-pleasing to God if we will sincerely desire that he have his way in our lives. If we'll have that desire, Lord, would you have your way? Whatever that means, whatever, whatever it takes, would you have your way in my life? We're going to see someone that had that, that desire. Now let's look back at, at uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, verse 5. It says that Zachari- that, that uh, he was a certain priest, he named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah. He's out of a priestly lineage. But his wife is as well. Look at that. It says uh, she was uh, of the daughters of Aaron. That's in verse 5. So both these, this husband and wife, were of priestly descent think that's very uh, very interesting and uh, but look what it says in verse 6 they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinance of ordinances of the Lord blameless now it, it doesn't just say they it says they both they were both righteous So it was important to them to do what God said. It was important to both of them. I hope that, you know, we have several husbands and wives in here, and I hope that describes you and your wife, that it is important to both of you to to follow God, to do what he says. And these people were, or it it says in verse 6, they were both righteous before God. They uh, walking in all the commandments and ordinances. As I uh, was reading that, I was thinking of Proverbs. You might write this verse down, Proverbs 15.3. Proverbs 15.3. It says this, the eyes, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord, He knows everything. He is, uh, he's aware of, of every detail of our lives. Now, lest we uh, misunderstand that, he's not waiting there to beat us over the head when we do something wrong. That's not a description of our Lord. But he knows whether or not I am serious about him. He knows that. He knows every area. He can see you. He can see me. Wherever we are, whether we're on the computer, whatever we're doing, uh, he can see how we respond when something upsets us. He knows 
every detail of our lives. And it says in verse 6 that both of these people were serious about obediently following the Lord. Now, you look at verse 6, and the word all, where it says walking in all the commandments, the word all means everything. It means absolutely everything. And look at the word blameless. It says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of, of the Lord. And then it's, it ends that, uh, that sentence with blameless. They were blameless. Now, uh, that's a Greek word. It comes from a Greek word, amemptos. Amemptos. And it means free from fault. Free from defect. So, Zacharias and Elizabeth, his wife, they're reminiscent of Job. You remember in Job 1.8, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He says this about, God says this about Job. He says he is perfect. He's, He's an upright man. He fears God. And he eschews evil. It says those four things about him. He is perfect, he's upright, he fears God, and he eschews evil. I said, what in the world does eschew mean? Uh, it's spelled E-S-C-H-E-W-E-T-H. He escheweth evil. It means this. Different from how I have been over my life. It means this. It means if there was evil down this road, Job wouldn't even turn there. He wouldn't even say, I'm going to go down that road. I can take a little bit of that. I can, I can uh, go to that movie, uh, even though they curse the Lord. I can take a little bit of that. I can take a little bit of that, uh, whatever, that immorality. I'll be all right. No, that's, that, that's not how Job, that's, that's not how he's described. The Bible says, God says this about Job. He eschewed evil. He would have nothing to do with it because he feared God. And a part of fearing God is to hate evil. And so that would describe also Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, in John 14, 15, John 14, 15, you don't have to turn there. You could write that verse down. John 14, 15, Jesus says this. He says, if you love me, Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So Zacharias and Elizabeth were showing, in effect, that they loved God. Now, Jesus was not born at that time yet, but the principle's the same. By keeping the commandments, by by keeping the Word of God, by following what He said, they were demonstrating their love for God. Jesus uh, gives us a very important insight. Now, as a father, it's important to me that my children, my oldest child, I think, is uh, born uh, be 36. My youngest one would be 22. And then I have, uh, in between those, I have four more, okay? And so it's important to me that all six of those 
Even though they're grown and for the most part out of the house, it's important that they see me obeying the Lord. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a cousin one time tell me we were just, uh, just chatting, and he said, you know, I need my, needed my mom and dad when I was 17, 16, 18. He said, I needed them. But I really needed them when I was 30. You see, it's important to me that my children see me being obedient to the Lord. That's important. So the first thing this morning, the first uh, key principle that we can learn from this passage as we read about Zacharias and Elizabeth and us wanting to be well-pleasing to God is for us to be obedient to His Word. Even though we might, it might be hard, sometimes God's Word is difficult to obey, is it not? It, it may be unpopular. It may, uh, may be a little painful, but that's all right. We're supposed to obey it. And that we demonstrate His love, we demonstrate a love that, uh, for, for Him when we do that. And so, by keeping God first, one of the key ways is, or in order to keep God first, one of the key ways is for us to obey His Word. Now, let's look at the next one. Another way to, to be well-pleasing to God, keep him, keeping Him first, is by trusting in Him no matter what. Look down about verse 7. It says, And they had no child because Elizabeth was, well, was uh, barren, and they, were, they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. And it, then it goes on and says in verse 9, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, that was very important. And, you know, there are some that believe, well, uh, Zacharias was doing this was something he did over and over and over again and I don't necessarily agree with that uh, now I, I don't know that I can fully prove it but I do know this that there were two other priests that went in with him at least two others that dealt with the sacrifice and the altar and the man that went in to burn the incense, which was extremely important. That was rotated, and there were many, many priests. And so uh, it, was, it, it is possible that he had never done this before. It is possible. Maybe he had done it once or twice, but they rotated it. This is something that uh, the burning of incense, because of the number of priests, it's possible that it's something you would do only once in your life. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. He may have done this all the time, but I know there were a number of priests, and that was an office that they rotated, and that's why it says his lot. It was his turn to burn the incense. Now, he had been in on the worship. He had uh, gone, and, and he had stood outside before, no doubt, and he knew how long that guy that burned incense was going to stay in there about how long. And so, uh, uh, but no doubt, on this particular day, 
the angel of the Lord showed up. That's the key. On this particular day, kind of reminiscent. You remember we, uh, on a, I believe it was a Sunday night. Some of you will remember this. We talked about the fact uh, the day that Jesus got into the boat with those men and went across the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. On, on that certain day, the Lord got in the boat. Uh, that's what the Bible says. A certain day. You know, every day is important. And on that particular day, the angel of the Lord showed up. Now, it's important for us to see what was going on here. Let's go on down to verse, uh, verse 11. It says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, it makes it clear when, uh, when the angel, what the angel says to Zacharias when he says that your prayers have been heard in verse 13, thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. It makes it clear that John and, or excuse me, that Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a son. They've been praying for this son, and they've been praying for a long time. Now you can see the context. They were well stricken in years. I see some in here that may be, may be past childbearing age. But these, this husband and wife had been praying. Now, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if they had stopped praying. The Bible doesn't say. I do know, and I, I would venture to say this, that as that priest went in to burn the incense... His mindset was on the people. His mindset was on the coming Messiah. And so I would say, now this, this is a holy man, and he is seeking to please God. And I would say that Zechariah, at this time, at, on this particular day, right here in this particular instance, probably was praying for the people. He is a humble man. And instead of praying for himself, more than likely he is praying for the, the people of Israel, for the, the land of Israel, for the coming Messiah. I don't know. But the angel says, your prayers have been heard. So that signifies that they had been praying for a long time. And maybe they were praying up to that day, or maybe they had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. You ever done that? You pray, you seek God's will, you're praying for something, and nothing happens. I would venture to say that's probably the case here. Maybe they stopped praying. Maybe, maybe, uh, Boy, it had become difficult. They'd gotten past those childbearing years. And then reality set in that, well, we're not going to have a baby. Maybe they were, uh, maybe Elizabeth felt ostracized a little bit. You know, she couldn't have children. I don't know. But it makes it clear from what the angel says that they had been praying. It says, for, look at verse 13. Thy, thy prayer is heard. 
Thy prayer is heard. Now, there are some in here that have been praying for other people for a long time. I want to encourage you to keep praying. You've been praying for the salvation of a a grandson, a granddaughter. You've been praying for maybe a child that has wondered. Just keep praying. You just keep praying. Just keep praying. See, there's some people that will pray for somebody for a while. But to pray for someone for years, that takes something. And we can learn from this passage, just keep praying. Just keep praying and you keep trusting. See, this hard situation that Zacharias and Elizabeth faced, not having children and wanting children, it didn't surprise God. It didn't catch him off guard. Nothing that is going on in our lives has caught him off guard. And the Lord had a very important plan here in Zachariah's life, and he has a very important plan in your life. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and maybe you, you, you got here, and you think, I don't know why I came here. I'm ready to give up. Maybe that's you. I want to tell you, we serve a mighty Lord. And through the power, you know, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about, and this is just a little side note. I was in, and I believe it, I was in this morning. I was reading Psalm 129. And uh, it talk, talks about Israel. Israel is important to God. It is, it, that nation and that land is very, very important to Him. As a matter of fact, there have been so many nations that have uh, come, they're a lot larger than Israel. They've come and they've gone. And there's that little nation, Israel, surrounded by enemies. And that's a testimony to our Lord. He is powerful. That's the only way that the little nation of Israel has survived. The descendants of Abraham, that's what they are. And they survive to this day as a nation. I praise God for that. See, he is powerful. And so this morning, you may be going through through trouble. You may be going through difficulty. Maybe you think, God is not hearing me. Unanswered. Listen, he knows everything. You just keep praying. You keep praying, keep being obedient, and then trusting Him no matter how it looks. You think about this. This little child here, I'll give you a, 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 a little uh, some quick summary. This child that is going to be born to Zacharias and Elizabeth is John the Baptist, the uh, precursor the one that comes before Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist, not called John the Baptist, is spoken of all the way back in Isaiah chapter 40, and I believe it's down about verse 3. And I am sure that Zacharias knew that passage. As a priest, he would know that passage. But he had no idea. That passage was a prophecy about his own son. 
He had no idea. See, throughout the Old Testament, God is working His plan like a conductor. Even through those, those years in between the Testaments, God was working like a conductor. In the Old Testament, Satan was trying to outsmart God and foil God's plan for the Messiah. And God, the Lord, outsmarted him every time. Every time. Now I want to summarize what happens here. In verses 18, excuse me, verses 18 through 20. Let's look at it. We'll we'll look at it together. In those previous verses there, verses 14 through 17, the angel Gabriel is telling Zacharias about his son. What your son is going to become. Verse 18 says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby or how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. In other words, look, Gabriel, we're, we're past the childbearing years. How, how can this be? And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God and am able to speak unto thee. I, I am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. In other words, you're not going to be able to speak, Zacharias. And you're not going to be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Until they happen. Because, and these are critical words, thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So Zacharias, even though he was a godly man, and he sought the Lord, and he, he prayed, he and his wife prayed for that son, and it didn't happen. But Gabriel makes it clear. Your words were heard, and your prayer is about to be answered. In God's timing, it's going to be answered. But Gabriel gives this insight. He says, Zacharias, you don't believe what I'm saying. It's kind of like this. Gabriel says, look, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You're not going to believe what I say? Because of that, you're not going to be able to speak till this thing happens. And it's going to happen. He says that it's going to happen in in its season. So, the first thing this morning, how can we be well-pleasing to God? Number one, by following His Word. Uh, We have to know His Word. Follow His Word no matter what. Number two, believing what He says. We keep praying and we, we just hang on and we believe what He says. In other words, we trust Him. We trust Him. I want to give you an example I've told some of you this before. I served as a a Christian school administrator in a pretty large Christian school up in Kansas for a number of years, and and, uh, we operated on a shoestring. It was tough. And so we we were in a public school league and and played played football, basketball, all those things. We needed a bus. 
and our bus was breaking down. It was, it was tough. And so we met one night, myself and the, the, the board, we met, and this is show, we had a flood at one point, and it flooded our gymnasium, and so we had someone come in and put the, the, a new gym floor down, and what we did is we cut out the center, you know that center where uh, it was the Central Christian Cougar. So we cut out this big cougar, a big cougar, and that was our table. So we met around this, this board table, this cougar, and uh, we were wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to? And we had saved $23,650. to go toward a bus. That took us a long time to save that money. And so we wondered, what are we going to do? We've got to have this bus. Our our bus is breaking down. It's breaking down bad. We've got to have a bus. And we spent probably an hour wondering, what are we going to do? And we decided, let's let's just pray. And there there were 15, 20 of us in this room. And we went around and prayed. And after the prayer, someone wisely said, hey, why don't we just let the amount of money we have in there. We couldn't buy a brand new bus. Why don't we let the net amount of money that's in our savings account, why don't we let that be the determining factor? And so we all thought that was good. So a group of us traveled from Hutchinson, Kansas, all the way up to Kansas City. And it was a big group. And uh, we went to this place that has just buses. It, I mean, just, just it looked like miles of buses. And we pulled up to one. I mean, it was the first one we saw. And I remember the number, it was 2345. That was, the, you know, it has an identification number on it, 2345. I thought, well, that's pretty neat. So we all got in that bus, and the guy that owned the, or that was working there, he came out and rode with us. We drove around, drove that bus around Kansas City. And uh, it, needed some, it, needed, uh, it needed some hatches on the top and then some carriages on the bottom so we could store things. And so we, we all liked the bus. It was the only one we drove. And so we, we told him, we said, we need, uh, we need the, those hatches cut in, and, and we need the undercarriages and, and all that. How much is all that going to cost? And so he said, well, let me go in, and I'm going to put it on my adding machine. And he went in, put it on, he, he got everything together, put it on his adding machine, and it came up $23,650, the exact amount we had in that savings account. Now, that all sounds real, real well and good. Well, I'm the administrator of the school, and I said this. I don't know. You think that's God's will that we should do that? Yes, that was God's will. He answered our prayer. And I almost backed out. I almost backed out. See, He wants us to trust Him. Just trust Him. Just trust His way. Now let's go a little further. Look down about verse 26. It says, and in the sixth month, now this is the sixth month of Elizabeth being pregnant. Okay, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Now we know who this is, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. 
The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. God knew everything about this little girl. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, if you were to go over to Matthew, and I can't remember the exact place. I think it's Matthew one twenty-one. Matthew even tells what that name means. Gabriel goes on and says, He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the Lord, How shall this be? Now this is a, you know what we saw out of Zacharias. He asked a question. He said, how can this be? We're not even, uh, we're, 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 not, we're past childbearing years. But it's a little bit different here. Okay, she's dealing with the same angel that Zacharias dealt with. She said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, Gabriel could tell. She believed, but she couldn't understand it because she had never had physical relations with a man. She wasn't married yet. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth. Remember we talked about her a minute ago. She hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now, the angel says something here that we must not forget. He said, Gabriel says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Could I tell you this? That in your life, in my life, in this church, nothing is impossible with God. Not one thing is impossible. Now look what Mary says. Mary says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. This is very crucial here. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. See, how do we, how do we please God? Number one, from this context, number one, by being obedient to his word. All the time. Number two, by trusting in Him, no matter how it looks. Number three, by having a desire that God would have His way. Lord, would you have your way? Let's read what Mary says again. She says, be it unto me according to your word. I pray that that would be your prayer this morning. Lord, just have your way in me. Mold me into the man you want me to be. Do whatever you need to do in my life. I pray that for this church. Lord, do whatever you need to do for every person in this church to help us to become more like you. Now, this morning, 
we're going to enter into a, a time of invitation. Can you honestly say that God has first place in your life? Can you honestly say that? Are you willing to obey His Word no matter what? Will you trust Him? Will you, will you just trust Him? And are you willing to have that mindset that Mary had? Lord, just have your way. Be it unto me just exactly like you say. Now let me tell you the rest of the story about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Her time came and the little baby was born. And you could read this all the way over in verse chapter 1, verses down about verse 60, somewhere in that neighborhood. The little baby's born. And all the friends and family come over and they said, oh, little baby Zacharias. You read that. Oh, he's so beautiful, little baby Zacharias. And she said, no, no. Elizabeth said, no, 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 no. His name's John. And they said, no, no, no. He, there's nobody in, in, in your family named John. His name's Zacharias. And, and she said, no, no, no. Your, his name is John. And they said, oh, little Zacharias, oh, he's so cute. And so finally, they went to Zacharias and said, what's his name? And he's, he's, he motioned, bring me a, a, a slate of some kind, because he remembered what that angel said. He wasn't going to forget that. And he wrote, his name is John, and immediately he was able to speak. And the Bible says, I don't know, it's down about verse 63, it says he praised God. Would you praise God? See, when God answers prayer in your life, it's for his glory. It's for his glory. So would you praise him? See, God wants you to have, he wants you and me, he wants Craig to have that heartbeat that says, Lord, just have your way. Have your way in my life, whatever it takes, and I will give you the glory. That's what he wants. Let's stand together. Now, whatever God has laid on your heart, we serve a powerful God.